not God. Don't, 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 don't. What happened to the don't, 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 all right? I wanted the don't, 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 all right? Huh, amen. I don't see how artists do that. I'm done. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Woo! I'm coming where I get, man. I'm coming to the CrossFit today, dog. Good God Almighty. I'm, oh, there you are. I'm hurting now. Um, <laughs> Pastor Larry, you got one ready? Um, man, I saw, I saw, I saw. Now, I'm going to tell y'all something. This is funny. I saw Miss V and Sister Christy in the back. I caught them going like this. And then uh, they did the kid and play joint, you know, it's going like this. I was like, wow. I just mess with you. Y'all was having a good time. It, it, I, I like when the seasoned saints get their dance on. Amen, 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 amen. That was funny in the mug, man. I go back down, going to, going out real quick. They back there dancing, eyes closed. I was like, wow, okay. So praise the Lord, praise the Lord. How many of y'all glad to be here today? Amen, amen, amen. How many of you not just glad to be here? How many of you just glad you're here? Huh? <laughs> A to the men. A to the men. I'm so excited and so thankful for um, God's grace that we find in the gospel. And so uh, we want to continue to exalt Christ and lift him up as a, as a community of faith and peace to the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Let's stand to our feet. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 12 through 20. That's where we are today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I mean, chapter 6. Hey, chapter 6. We ain't there yet. Chapter 6, verse 12 through 20. You know how we do. I'll start with you, and then you guys finish for me today. Let's, let's get at it. Verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Keep going. Amen. How many of y'all like that passage? Amen. Amen. Okay, we'll see in a second. Um, I want to talk about today. <laughs> I love y'all to death. Um, I want to talk about today in our passage, becoming a sexually mature believer. How to become a sexually mature believer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you created sex. It's yours, and we get to use it. Uh, and we only get to use it based on the, the creator's instructions. You manufactured us. 
Therefore, the instruction manual tells us, the Bible, how to use it. So reorient us, strengthen us and challenge us, break shackles. I know some, someone here today is, is in a place of brokenness and challenge with this. And so, Lord, I pray that they would find courage and grace in the gospel for their failure and courage to fight. And, uh, and, and God, that you would do things in the souls of your people today that have never been done before. May you go to uncharted areas of souls and transform and change and strengthen and, and, and make us more like you. Oh, Lord God, I pray that as we, as we work through this, that uh, you may be glorified, your saints may be edified, and your enemies may be horrified. Um, and Lord God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength. Somebody say our strength. Somebody say, our Redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Talking about today becoming a sexually mature believer. I know that almost because of our view of sex, that almost sounds like an oxymoronic statement. Uh, But biblically, we're supposed to all, whether single or married, become sexually mature. And now the question is, what does that look like? And so that's what Paul's going to talk us through today. But before we get into this section, I want you to really kind of dial into sort of where you are and where where I am. The way I dial into a lot of where I am in relation to something that God teaches and something that God communicates is I ask myself, where did this begin for me? And, And in me asking that question of myself, where did this begin for me? I'm asking myself the question as a believer, when when in my when in my life did I have first contact? Not, not, not just physically with sex, but with the concept of sex. Um, um, because, because most of the time, where your origin of your co- first contact with sex comes from in relation to the concept goes through the entirety of your life as a wrestle of what built the foundation of what you believe about it. And um, um, for me, my first contact with sex was in two ways. It was through my friends on the block in Washington, D.C., I'm the young bucks in school, you know what I'm saying? That, 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 I mean, I had, I, I've heard about every single stereotype you can find about people's sizes and shapes and whether somebody's bow-legged or whether somebody's big or whether somebody's small. Now, some of y'all acting like y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but, it's, but, but I got all kinds of stereotypes about sexuality um, I'm from my friends in elementary school. So that was my first contact, was a corrupt connection with it. But then my second connection with it was a molestation by a neighbor. And so, and, so I, and so I already started off being fallen in my nature, number one, because being, being born a sinner. And I, I, maybe I'm the only one in here that was born that way, but I'm the first, I was born wrong the first time. And so, so I was born wrong the first time, but then added to me born wrong the first time was selfishness in myself. Uh-uh, and so, and so, and so as, I, as, I'm, as we're going through the alley in D.C., our alleys are a little wider then in, in Philly, Philly, you can't drive nothing through the alley. You try to, you're in trouble. But where I'm from, the alleys are massive. Where you can drive through, we can play basketball in the alley, all of that. Right? And, um, and so we in the alley, we saw these little crumbled up pieces of paper. I talk about it in Manhood Restore. And we open it up, and this new, new chick's all up in the thing. You know, the little pages. So I'm like younger than my son. My son will be 12 in a few months. I was like maybe seven, eight, seeing nude pictures. I went to a family member's house, and a family member had a stash, like, of mad pornography, so I'm like paging through like rocks by what I'm seeing and not recognizing and realizing that those seeds that were planted on that ground that was hard were really, really seeds that took 
place fertilely in my heart to shape my mindset and philosophy of sexuality as well as the molestation and then later sexual promiscuity for myself. Now, how many of you would say you learned sexuality from your parents? That's the first place, first place. Not you learned it from them, but that's the first place you heard about sex. Few hands, few hands, few hands. How many of you didn't hear about it first from your parents? Amen, amen. So, So the majority of us in the room have the foundation of our sexuality being shaped how we heard it for the first time. And the challenge of that is, is that we're fighting for the rest of our lives, even as believers, to override the programming that we got that was a virus before true software really got down on our hard drive. And so so what God is wanting us to do in the work through today is what it means to be sexually mature. God wants Every believer to be sexually mature, even if you're not having it. Okay? Sexual maturity is not how good you are in the bedroom. That's not what I'm talking about today. Sexual maturity comes from your way of allowing the word of God to influence and strengthen your understanding what sexuality is and what it's about. And so we come here to this passage, and we come here in 1 Corinthians where Paul is working through several issues of spiritual immaturity in the life of the Corinthians. He's gone through several places of of immaturity. Now he's in this section where he's, even though he's talked about sexuality already, he's going to expand upon it and begin dealing with, dealing with, dealing with the issue of sexuality in relation to the mindset of the Corinthian spiritual immaturity. I mean, when you got spiritual immaturity and sexuality in the same room, that's that's a toxic mix. And so what he wants to do is he wants to help us to recognize and understand that there is going to have to be some spiritual maturity in our lives that influences our sexual maturity. Are you hearing me today? And so so this brings me to my first point. If you're going to be sexually mature, first thing you must recognize is you got to break the strongholds in your mind about sex. You have to break the strongholds in your mind about sex. This is very, very interesting because the Corinthians were in a sexually charged culture. And being in a sexually charged culture, everything in their culture was built around sexuality. Sexuality was like in a matter of fact. I mean, I mean and people had sex in the open there. It wasn't like, you know what I'm saying, you, got, you just went to the brothel, cats would be on the block, smashing on the block, literally. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so uh, a smashing means having sex. I'm sorry for those who don't know. And so in light of that reality, you, 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 you had this openness. I mean, at the Colossal Games, ch- chicks would be just going topless at the game while the gladiators killing each other. And then they'll just spontaneously have an orgy even at a colossal event. Like, can you imagine being down at the Wachovia Center somewhere and all of a sudden as the play go on, people just undressed, just go topless and just go at it? Right, you like what the word? But in their culture, it was like, oh, look at that, and then they listened to it, like because they were so desensitized from sex. So that's the that's the background that the Corinthians came from in approaching. It was just rough because because they 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 really literally had they they were in need of so much sanctification because of the grimy background that they had come from. And so Paul begins dealing with the mental strongholds that they have about sex. Now, what's interesting about this passage as we get into it. Paul doesn't deal with sex first. He doesn't. In this passage, Paul deals with their mindset first so that he can deal with sexuality. 
See, the problem with many movements on dealing with sex is they deal with all of these weekends where people come and hear about sex and how bad they are. Then they get a bracelet to be faithful, and it just doesn't work. And, and people wonder why you go to these little weekends, these little sex weekends, and they don't work. It's because, because you deal with the organ, not the mind. If you deal with the organ, you're in trouble because all that's going to do is get stimulated. But you got to deal with the heart and the mind in relation to it being reformed by sex. And you can't walk. And, 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 and fixing the problem isn't just people walking away that sex is dirty. That doesn't work because that's not gospel. That's not even biblical. So when you try to use unbiblical, moralistic, legalistic mindsets, it always leads to licentiousness. The most legalistic people I know theologically are the most licentious people practically. Because they don't tell you privately that their legalism doesn't work. And what they're doing is they're wilding out behind closed doors. But publicly, but publicly, they're the, tight, the, the tightest exegetes on the planet. And so what Paul begins to do in the passage in verse 12, he said, All things are lawful unto me, but everything ain't helpful. Now, Paul is not saying all of that, though. The first part is a slogan of the Corinthian church. That Paul turns on his head. It's a slogan in their culture which said, all things are lawful to me. And so what they were beginning to say is, because it's lawful in my culture, based on the Roman government, because sexuality was just an open thing, even Caesar was involved in illicit sexual activities. And so because of that, and in light of that reality, um, um, they, they was like, man, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool for us to just have sex, because sex doesn't impact the soul. That, that was their philosophy. And so Basically, I'm a just, we, we got, they, they had some, I'm a do me ain't nothing new. They just said it differently. And so, and so what Paul is doing is he's, is he's confronting their maximums. Every, let me tell you something. Y'all looking at me funny. But everybody in here has a false belief system. Let me tell you how I know it. You can know something biblically and live not like that biblical truth. And, and you don't realize that that biblical truth is not really your belief. It's your acknowledgement. It's different. Everybody, know how you track what you really believe? What you do. <laughs> whatever you do is what you believe. That's, I'm just telling you right now. Whatever, whatever you commit yourself. So Paul knows that. So he knows if he just deal with don't have sex, say no to drugs, don't do this, just walk away from it. He, he says walk away from it later, run from it later. But in the beginning, he starts dealing with the, under, the things up under there. which Because you know, know what most of our belief is? Some of us, our silent belief is God doesn't, God doesn't want me to enjoy life. Some of our unbelief is God, God ain't going to never come through for me. He came through for him or her, but he ain't going to come through for me. So our belief is based, is rooted in our impatience. And our self-idolatry to build the world around ourselves. So what we begin to do, what we begin to do is we begin to create unbelieving belief systems. And these unbelieving belief systems are strongholds that we don't, rec that's, that's why a person can come to church on Sunday, they can worship, they can cry, they can run, they can go to Bible study, they can go to life group, and they can even tithe and still be a mess. Because, because, because Paul, Paul, based on God's heart for us, wants transformation to happen on the deepest level. So Paul gives their maximum, all things are lawful to me. Now, that's actually a biblical statement, to be honest. 
but the way they're using it is unbiblical. It's, it's biblical in the sense of liberty, but they've treated, they've treated sexuality as a Christian liberty. It's crazy. Like this bananas, you know what I'm saying? I can smash here, I can smash there, I can tapology that, I can tap that. I mean, it's all within the realm of tapness, right? You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's, their, that's their philosophy. And so what Paul has begun to say, hold on, fall back, right? We, 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 he wants them to have money. He said, but all things aren't helpful. He said, all things are lawful. He said, everything ain't helpful. This, this, it, it, so it goes to the sloganism in our culture. That some of, now, some of us say, I ain't shaped by no slogans. Listen to some of the slogans of the companies that we, 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 we like. AT&T says, your world delivered. IBM says, make it happen. American, is, American Express says, do more. A Honda says, power your dreams. Best Buy says, get yours. Nike says, just do it. Nintendo says, born to play. Tom Warner says, the power of you. Wendy says, do what tastes right. Let, let me, let me, let, let, I'm, I'm saying look on the end of the line line. Now, what's interesting, what's interesting, what's interesting is even in their marketing, they're playing into a larger agenda. Not, like, people aren't selling products anymore. They're selling lifestyles. And until you and, I re- until you and I recognize that the world is selling a lifestyle when God has already given you a lifestyle, and you, 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 turn, you, gotta, you can't turn off. You got to learn how to turn up. You know what I'm saying? Some of us turn up. I see y'all got drinks on your thing, talking about on your Instagram. Turning up, and it's about 15 of y'all. That ain't turning up. You need to turn up your soul, not just what you got in your glass. Help me today, God. Turn up. He says, so, 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 he, so he basically begins to say, he, he says, uh, then he goes after that and says, all things, he said, all things are lawful, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be either enslaved or dominated by anything. This is powerful. It's powerful. Now, what is he doing inferentially? What he's doing inferentially is he's affirming that sex is good, okay? How many of y'all agree with that, by the way? All the singles, you can raise your hand. I mean, I ain't saying you did nothing. I'm just saying it's created by God. And the Bible says all things that God created is good. Sex is good. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a second. But he said, I won't be enslaved by anything. In other other words, things that God has created to be good, we were never meant to make it the center of our life. You, you don't want any, listen, listen, when you, when you really want to walk with Jesus Christ, you get to several points in your life where you don't want anything in your life to dominate you. And, and as a matter of fact, you need to get to the point in your walk where it breaks your heart. If you find out that there's anything in your life that has greater priority in you than Jesus Christ. Y'all looking at me funny. I ain't going to get no amens, but it's okay. Um, I'm trying to let you know that you got to get to the point, because if you try to deal with breaking up with the guy or breaking up with the girl or we're not going to have sex no more, I'm going to use covenant. That ain't going to work. It don't work. It don't work. You'll be, you'll be calling for a booty call in five minutes. You, you're going to need more. Listen, you're going to need more than some words from yourself. You're going to need, you're going to need a desire for God. That's what you're going to need. Paul, that, that, listen, Paul, a single guy. He's going to plant in churches, honey's everywhere. So he ain't walking through like, like he, you know what I'm saying, a eunuch. You know what I'm saying? He walk around. Paul wanted some tapology too. Okay? 
But Paul needed some help. I'm going to talk about that in chapter 7. He, he needed some help. And so he had, to, he had to fight through some stuff. And so he had to get to the point in his way. Can you imagine being a pastor just going everywhere and women everywhere? Listen, he was like, I, he said, I don't want to be enslaved to anything. In other words, I don't want anything dominating my life above Jesus Christ. See, some of y'all ain't got to that point yet. That's why you're wrestling, because you, you, you trusted Christ, but you've allowed your life to be dominated by your passions. And so Paul says, all things are lawful to me. In other words, I do have freedoms, but in my freedom to have sex, even with my spouse, it should not dominate me. Because, because one of the things that happen is when you get married, you find out real quick that sex ain't enough to keep a marriage together. Sex, let me tell you something. Sex is good, but I, I've gotten mad enough. At my, I never thought before I got married that I'd be mad enough with my wife to not want to have sex. You can tell Eric the Mason any situation like that ever on God's green earth. Man, I, got, I get mad at my wife. Every, the, the, all my hormones go, go down to the South Pole, dog. I'm like, where'd that come from? You know, because many of us, I, you know, I, I love doing weddings. And I, I love to see people get up, Pastor, we got special vows and all of that kind of carrying on. And they say, boo, I just love you ever since the first day I met you. I mean, I, I, I love you so much that the heat of our passion is such a deep part. And the dude all deep, you know Christ has brought you. Christ has brought you in my life. And I want to surround you with the mercy of his grace. Selah. But then, but then you have an argument six to seven months in. Where's Boo at? Ain't no Boo theology helping you at that point. Because you married enslaved to wanting to sleep with her. You got married wanting to, because you was like, I'm tired of going to bed alone. That's not a reason to get married. When you, when you think like that, that means you're enslaved to, you're not even about God institution, like about Christ's glory and his relationship with the church. I, I mean, I mean, your, your, you know what your point is? Your point is you just want some smashology. Now, God in his power has made sex in marriage. I'm getting so ahead of myself, but, but he made sex in marriage that there's a time limit on his pleasurability if you're not being intimate with each other in loving one another with agape love. It's like a booby trap. But, but most of us in our enslavement to sex, because our spouse ain't doing what we want, and you, I'm talking to the single too, you'll go find other outlets because they're not giving you none. When that's when you found out your marriage really was never about marriage. It was about you and your desire to get pleasure because you're enslaved to sex, not to Jesus. I know I'm preaching. You can say Amen. If you can't say amen, say ouch. It's in the book. And so he rolls down here and he says, I will not be dominated by anything. I don't want, I don't want anything in my life. I don't want anything in my life to, 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 to challenge and carry anything in relation to this. But check it out. It's, it's interesting. Dominated is future passive. That means something taking control of me from the outside. It's crazy. But then he says, then listen to what they say. This is the next thing they say. They say, they say food is meant for the stomach and stomach for food. They wild in the mud. Now, they, now this is how deep their theology is. Their theology is, listen, this is what they taught each other. This is how they discipled each other. Listen, you, got, you hungry? Yeah. What you do when you get hungry? 
I'll give me some food. Boom. Why doesn't sex just work like that? So basically, they had a maximum that they were discipling each other in, that when you get desire for sex, you just get it, and you get it however you want to get the, um, that sexuality. But check it out. Check it out. And then and, and Paul, Paul gets a little hot right here. That, this this one, the, the Greek, it's, it's like in the Greek text, it's like fire right here, all right? Literally, it's fire coming from the text. He said, and God will destroy both one and the other. What does he mean? God will destroy you and your sexual desires one day. In other words, he's going to do away with this body, and he's going to destroy it. But he's also thinking about, in the sense of a Christological standpoint, where Christ says something powerful. Christ says, fear not the one who can destroy the body, but fear the one who can destroy both the body and soul in hell. That, that's, what, that's what he says. He, said, he says, so God, so, so he's, he's taking them to really a, a, a high, like, aviator's view of the planet right now. He's not, he wants them to be, get beyond the sexuality, and he deeply wants them to recognize and understand things from a more biblical perspective. He said, the body is not meant for sexual, sexual immorality. That's powerful. In other words, in their mind, they believe family of God that, that, and just like many of us, we built our lives around sexuality. Okay, y'all looking at me funny. Okay, y'all looking at me funny. Okay. I, 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 um, um, many of us, you can, you can tell where a person is. Now, some of y'all, y'all come in here looking at something. But all you got to do is look at the Instagram post. See, this, this, see um, you know, people taking pictures. Like this, with, with, the, with the tightness on. You know what I'm saying? Then they look back at it. Y'all know, am I li- y'all know I ain't lying. Now, then, then they, then they, t- then, 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 then they work it, girl. You better work, girl. I see you. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, wow. Then some of y'all try to lock your page, didn't have a promiscuous looking picture up there, like you don't want nobody. Like, come on, fam. Now, you think I'm lying right there? So, and fellas, we do it the same. You know what I'm saying? We're working out for Jesus and put baby oil all on us. You know what I'm saying? And you do about 50 push-ups. Take the picture right now, dog. Take the picture right now. And you ain't even really worked out. You're going like this, and glistening the nations and, um, and, and, and varicose veins coming all out on you and carrying on. And, 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 but, but, but what's interesting, you know, people talking about just got out of the gym and they take a selfie like this, trying to get healthy. Now, if you was really, hold on. Just, just be real. If you was really trying to be healthy, you would have went to the doctor, got some blood work. You'd have took a picture of your blood work and said, look how good my blood work looked. But that's not what you did in the picture. You pull up the shirt and you hold it like that and you go like, cat cow, to see the six packable. See, you ain't, you ain't about health. You'd have took some pictures of some Whole Foods bags, some organic fruit. That's what you'd have did. But because you about, see, what you're really about to do, you're trying to get caught. And see, and, see, and see, some of y'all ladies got all of your giblets out there on the internet. Say, let, 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 them, let, let them get married and take it off and see the giblets. Don't let them get the giblets before the giblets get... Because the same way you catch them is the same way you got to keep them. And fellas, fellas, fellas... You don't want a chick with her booty all out on the internet, no way. I know you like the picture, but don't put her on the squad. 
don't look at me funny. That's why Paul, Paul is telling them, he says, the body is not meant for sexuality. Stop building your life around. So some of y'all erasing. I'm erasing now before. Go and erase it. Go and erase it. <laughs> Help me today, God. So the body is not meant for sexuality, not building our lives around sexuality, right? But he says, but for the Lord. I don't need to, need to exegete that. He said, your bodies were made for the Lord. Just, just think about that. It's made for the Lord, not for sexuality. Sexuality goes under the umbrella of Christ's lordship. That means there's only good sex under Christ. Let me say that three more times. Because let me tell you something. There, listen, 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 listen. Is, listen, when you get married, or if you're already married, what makes good sex is having a believing spouse, and you all are unconditionally loving each other through your mess, and you having good sex with Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit with no conviction that it's wrong, and you get to have all of the climaxes in Jesus' name that you want, and that's when it's good sex. It's not good sex when you smash, and then afterwards, you got to pray your way home because you broke down on the inside because you put spirituality over the lordship of Jesus Christ. You got to take God's lordship and tower it over your life so that you can see sexuality in light of the lordship of Christ, the power of Christ, the glory of Christ. You have to believe that God has better pleasure than the devil. You got to believe it. You got to believe. You got to get to a point. You got to get to the point where how in the world does a bootleg devil go show me an HD movie when all he did was copy my father's stuff and try to give it to me? Listen, I'm not buying no bootleg tapes from the devil. Listen, I want to go straight to the manufacturer where I get my warranty, um, where I get to take, I get to peel it out of the package myself. I ain't got to worry about nobody else's fingerprints all up on it, fondling my, oh, help me today, God. I want what God has for me. That's what I want. I want what God has for me. So, 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 you, you, the problem with believers is we think the devil has better than God. And we got to get that through our thick skull that nobody has it better than creator. The issue is enjoying the goodness of what God provides, pro- needs, and demands endurance. Help me today. I got to move. But then look, listen to what he says in verse 13. I ain't even halfway done. Look at, look, at, look at this. He says, and the Lord for the body. This is profound. To me, this rocks me. Because it, it roots our purpose of our body in the Lord. But in some unexplainable way, it said that God even connects his purpose to our bodies. Hold on, did you get that? That that God, I'm not saying his identity is in our bodies. That's not what I'm saying. But in some strange way that I don't think anybody's able to, that, that, that we're made for him and he made us for him. So that he can, because God wants to enjoy us. I want you to get that through your head. I, I, don't, don't miss that. God wants to be able to enjoy you. As a matter of fact, he wants to be able to enjoy you enjoying you having sex. God's not a peeping Tom. He's a creator. And he blesses sex. God is not up there getting his kicks off about your intimacy. But he created it so that he could enjoy you enjoying yourself because God gets pleasure out of his people enjoying what he created on his terms. You better get that in your spirit today. That, 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 that you, want, you want God to thumbs up your sexuality. 
You want, you want him to thumb, thumb, thumb that thing up. And, 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 so, and, and, so, and so he goes into verse 14 and he says, And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. This is powerful because now he's talking about the fact that one day there will be no more sex. And, we'll be, and there will only be one person in eternity that has a distinguishable gender. And that's Christ. When we go to heaven, we'll all be like the angels. We won't even have, we won't be male or female. You're going to, I mean, I don't even know what that even looks like, but that's what the Bible says. I don't know what that looks like. I mean, it scares me a little bit, but I don't know what it looks like. <laughs> I'm just being honest, but it's in the book, so I got to believe it. Um, but Jesus is going to be the only one up there to do it. Now, what's interesting about this, it orbits a, a really powerful reality for us. As we, matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to put this under this next heading. Next point, sex is deeper than sex. That's, that's my second point. Sex is, matter of fact, it's always deeper than sex. Um, Paul says, or do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members with a prostitute? Never, never. Now he's talking about the theology of union with Christ. It's powerful. Um, this idea of union with Christ is a mystical union between the believer in which, in, 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 in which the believer and Christ are in a deep sense of oneness. One commentator says Christian experience is more than an imitation of the life and teaching of Jesus. This is powerful. It is the present, is the present experience of the risen Christ indwelling the believer's heart by the Spirit. That, that's what he's saying. So, so, so I want you to think about this. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ living inside of you. Pornography comes up on the screen. The Holy Spirit is present actively present in you. He's not just looking from heaven at you. See, most of us, that's how we think of God. We, we, we think of him as in heaven looking at us versus living within us. And, and, and so what happens is we operate our lives with a WWJD bracelet on versus a heart that's been changed by the presence of God living in us. Okay, that's why 1 Peter 3, 15 says, set aside Jesus as Lord in your hearts. Yeah. It, it means the Spirit, Jesus is present through the Holy Spirit. You need theology, family. He's present through the Spirit. And his presence through the Spirit is what makes our life valuable. Yeah. Now, he, he's, saying, he's saying now, now this body has been redeemed so that Christ's presence is literally inside of us through this powerful and figurative union. And he says, shall, then I, th shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members with a prostitute? Now, this is not f just female prostitutes. It's male prostitutes. Because people, most people back during this time, a lot of people, not most, but a lot of people were bisexual. So there was a lot of bisexuality. So men would get male prostitutes and as a matter of fact, it was so deep back then that, the process, that, 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 that men would only sleep with their wives to have a legitimate heir of their household. But they would get with prostitutes, they would date prostitutes, they would, they would get to know prostitutes and that type of thing in order to get more deeply intimate with the prostitutes. But, but what Paul is saying, he says, or do you not know that he who is joined, underline the word joined, to a prostitute becomes one body with her. This is, this is deep. This word joined is marital language. What God has joined together, let no man separate. 
Now, what, what, what he's saying is, do you know that you're one with her when you join with her? Th- th- this is so powerful. Because later he's going to talk about the fact that, he, he's going to talk about right here in this verse, he's going to say, after he says, do you know you're not one with her? He said, do you not know he's joined to her, joins a prostitute, becomes one with her? For it is written, the two shall or will become one flesh. Now, this, this is powerful. What happens is, is the Bible, because that's why it's a sin against your body when you have sex, is your body has been created sort of, it's, it's hard to explain, but it, it, God created in a way that it responds to sexuality. Not just in the pleasure sense, but through an inauguration sense. That when you have sex, your body was created by God to signal marriage. That it was created, when you have sex, when there's penetration, when there's slobbage, all of that intimacy, boom, your body says, I'm married. What happens, though, is when you sleep with this person, I'm married. You sleep with them over and over and over again, or just go with another person, I'm married, I'm married, I'm married. Your body begins to get confused because it was made for covenant. And what happens is it becomes callous. That's why some of y'all who are, who are just um, serial monogamous, you, you, you think of your sin less. Serial monogamy is I'm just with one person at a time and I'm with this person. And what happens is, is you emotionally attached. That's why when it's time to break up with somebody you're not supposed to be with, when you're having sex, it's hard. When you're sleeping with that person, it's hard. Some, some of the people, you just kiss them or maybe talk to them, and, and you can walk away from the relationship. But when, y'all, when, there, when there was tappage, what happens is the body says connection. And then you'll, you'll find out, why can't I get over this person? It's because you got them in your system. Now, the Bible says the two shall become one. They're joined together. So what happens is, is one day you get saved, or you were doing this while you were saved. You repent, boom, you find the right person, boom. You get with this person and you marry them and you begin sleeping with your spouse. And what, what will happen is, is because this person is not those people, what happens is, is you expect out of your spouse what you had with those people, but because you became one with them and you're bringing your oneness with them into the bedroom with your spouse. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain. Before I go, I'm going to tell my stuff. I don't mind because I'm free. Listen, listen, but listen, I can tell because the Christ died for my stuff. Uh, listen, I, I was a porn addict. Addict. I'm talking about habitual porn addict. I was tapping chicks on the college campus. I mean, I, I, my, my mind, I was a mess. Got saved, started walking with the Lord, still was wrestling with it, um, still wrestled with doing everything but and all that kind of stuff, and ended up God sending me, um, um, it'd be a month tomorrow, uh, I mean, t- uh, 20 years tomorrow to be the month that I started dating Yvette. And next year, yeah, yeah, amen. And I can remember she was a virgin. And I remember when we got married, I had all of these expectations of her. I had all types of, to her, and she told me, I can share this, gross things to her that I had experienced. And what I was trying to do was bring her into my mess of my past without, beca- it says the two shall become one. That means it was meant for two people to be a virgin, never know anything about sex, come together and have sex and grow in their sexuality together. That's why the Bible says that Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed. 
The idea of naked and not ashamed is means, it literally means in the Hebrew to be free from exploitation and emotionally freed up to become one flesh. That, that, that means they were free. They didn't have any baggage in their marriage so that when they came together, they can have sex and they, and they can say, I, I, I've never been with anybody like this because they've never been with anyone else. By the way, if you've been with other people, don't get in the bedroom with your spouse and say, this is the best sex I've ever had. That's not a good thing. Some of y'all quiet on that. We'll keep talking. It's very, very important for God to center the glory of his glory in the sexual union with one man and one woman. Now, if you're like me and you failed miserably, there's grace for you. There's There's grace for you. Paul, Paul begins to walk through this grace in this reality. He says, but he who has joined to, uh, to, uh, uh, to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So what happens is, is when you become a believer, you're renewed. Your spirit is changed and transformed, yet you have this fleshly connection with those who you had in your past. This is powerful. So this is where greater is he that is in me than then he is in the world is so powerful. Because when you become one spirit with the Lord, it empowers you to be sanctified out of the brokenness of the sexual experiences that you had. That's why the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, y'all still listening to me, right? I'm almost done. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 2 through about the fifth verse, but verse 3 and 4, it said, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Stop right there. means the will of God is that you would grow from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity and that you would be viewed, view yourself as uniquely set aside to the Lord. That's what he said. He said, he said so this is the will of God. So if you want to know what the will of God is, is that you grow up. Boom. But then he gives a purpose, he said, he gives a purpose clause on the backhand of that. That you abstain from sexual immorality. What does he mean by that? He connects spiritual growth inexplicably to sanctification. In other words, if you're sexually immoral, you're going to stunt the spiritual growth that God has for you. So he's using the gospel's transformation to grow us up spiritually as a motivation to walk away from illicit sexual activity so that we can believe that God has something better for me. Listen, those of you in a relationship right now and you're sleeping with someone or you are a serial, uh, you're going through all, listen, listen, God, listen, God has better than what you're experiencing. God has better than your bondage. You're joined to the Lord now. Your oneness with him is more oneness than the one that you're sleeping with. it's, it's, It's powerful. Now look what Paul says. He says, flee. Flee immorality. Now, the word flee in the Greek means flee. It says, it, it, it literally means get your butt in another vicinity. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. It says, but sexual immorality, person sins against his own body. It's crazy. So the gospel reorients us. Last point, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple? I love that, of the Holy Spirit. He goes, individual. Now, you're not the church individually. Let me just, let's break that. You're not the, like, stop saying I'm the church. That's not in the Bible anywhere. We are the church. Okay? No individual is ecclesia. But the Bible does teach that you are a temple, even though the church is the temple. Are you tracking with me? So an individual is not the church. Show me that in the Bible. It's nowhere. The church is the church. 
Church invisible, church visible. Those believers and un- uh, those believers are seen and unseen, right? But this idea of temple goes back deep. It's deep. It goes back to Adam and Eve. They were the original temple. Then it goes to various altars, like with Abraham and Noah and different ones erected. Tabernacle in Moses' day. And then in Solomon's day, it was Solomon's temple. Then after the temple got destroyed, it got re-erected. Temple. Then there was an Ichabod, meaning God's glory left planet Earth. But then finally, the Bible says the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former. But it wasn't talking about that temple. It wasn't talking about the glory coming into that temple in the sense of the way it did in Solomon's day. It shows it in uh, John chapter 1, verse 14. It said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, skeneod, and we beheld his glory, glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when Jesus Christ came, he became the prototype tabernacle, temple, where God's glory rested in him. He died on the cross. It says, you have been bought with a price. He died on the cross, and the temple, the curtain was torn from where? Top to bottom. That access was gave to all of us. God's glory floods the souls of all of those who trust Jesus Christ as Savior. This is powerful. Now, since you are a temple, it said it, I didn't. That means that your soul is set up just like the Old Testament temple. Outer court, inner court, holies of holy. In the holiness of holy is where God's presence is in your soul. What is the temple based on Hebrews? The temple is a reflection of the way heaven is set up. Outer court, inner court, holies of holies. It's a copy. Now, inside of us is a divine replica of the eternal temple in heaven. Because we're the temple of the holy. So, so now he's ch- the gospel changes everything. Changes everything because, because now God lives in the person that has trusted in Christ's finished work on the cross. Lives there. Like that's rockage, right? But then he says, you've been bought with the pies. Therefore, uh, 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 he says, glorify him in your body. That's powerful. Because now, now what we see now is now when you're ready to smash, something you ain't got no business. Tell yourself, I'm a temple of the Spirit. Just tr- don't look at me. Just try it. When, when a six-pack comes near you, say, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. What? What? When, when something shaped right, clack out, comes near you, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I, got, I, know, I know he bought you dinner, but you were bought with a price. Help me today. I'm just telling, listen, listen, I'm telling you right now. Tell you right now, you got to begin to reorient your life. Don't sell yourself for some Chick-fil-A and some Capitol Grill and a margarita and a hotel room. None of that equals what you were paid for. And therefore, he owns you. And because of that, his lordship should reign. And so what is he saying? Glorify him. Represent him. Now, you, now, now you, a, you are a model of heaven. You're a fashion model. Some of y'all like to dress. You, you, you're, you're styled with heaven's philosophy. You're styled with the grace of God. You're styled with the mercy of God. You're styled with the justice of God. You're styled with, some of y'all should just stand up right now and just pose right now. 
And, and you know what I'm saying? When you get in the middle, just spin around because guess what? You're a temple of the Holy Ghost. And the, and, and the reason why you get to reflect him is because of what Christ has done for you on the cross. And so the next time you want to look at porn, the next time you want to sexually wild out, the next time you don't want to sleep with your spouse, we'll talk about that in another few weeks when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The next time that happens to you, I want you to begin to see yourself as more than what you use yourself for. Don't sell yourself short for a chicken dinner. Listen, your life was built to be more powerful for Jesus Christ than one act of sex. Don't get so passionate about your self-centered sexuality that you forget that you're not your own. The manufacturer loves you more than a player and more than a harlot. More than a one-night stand. More than Mrs. Jones. Some of y'all going to get that. They, he loves you more than the song says, as we lay. We'll think about tomorrow as we lay. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are talking about. Some, some, some of him, some say he loves you more than the roughneck. Help me today, God. Somebody going to get that later. Uh, 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 he, he, he loves you more than a booty call. He, more, he loves you more than 12 ways. He loves you more than bump and grind. He loves you more than R. Kelly and all the Kellys on the back. He loves you more. I know what the album looked like. I saw the cover. Listen, God loves you more than all of that. 12 ways, 12 play, four play, whatever. God loves you through the way, Jesus Christ. So today I'm ending, but I'm going to do a couple altar calls because we're going to need them today. Every head bow, every eye close. Christ was punished for our sin. He's punished on the cross for our sin. He was, became what's called our propitiation. He satisfied the wrath of God. God's wrath was to come upon us. It's to come upon us. And guess what he was going to do? Guess what God's wrath was going to do? He's going to send us to hell forever to pay for our sins. Because of our sin nature and our sins that we commit. But God, being rich in mercy, sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. So that, and, and God set it up that the cross would count what Christ did in his perfect substitution. He said, I'm going to put all their sins on Jesus. And when he dies on the cross, I'm going to be, I'm going to take pleasure. I'm going to take pleasure in him being crushed. For them. And he, I'm going to raise him up on the third day, and I'm going to sit him at my right hand. If anyone believes that Christ died on the cross for their sins, and that he was a sin offering for them, and that he was raised up from the grave, will spend eternity with him. They will have a relationship with me, like Pastor Nyan was talking about during offertory. It's very, very important that you don't go out of here trying to deal with sexuality without some power and without a relationship. And that only comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you want to put your confidence in him, slip your hand in the air. We really want to talk to you about Jesus today. Slip your hand in the air. I know there's one this morning. They say, I want to put my see you, bro. Thank you for being bold. Thank you for being bold. I want to pray for you, brother. Why don't you come forward real quick for me? I want to pray for you. Anybody else that says they want to put their confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else to say, yeah, I, I need to go ahead and 
put my confidence and my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to pardon of my sins. Whether you're in the balcony or the unit floor, slip your hand in the air so we can see it. We want to walk you from spiritual infants to spiritual. I see you, sis. Amen. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your boldness. Anybody else? Says, I want to put, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I want to put my confidence. Amen. Amen. Slip your hand in the air for me. I see you. I see you too. See you, uh, uh, ma'am and sir. Why don't y'all come forward? Why don't y'all come forward so we can talk to you about the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Anybody else? Says, I believe in Jesus Christ. And I want to put my confidence, I want to believe in Jesus Christ and I want to put my confidence in his death on the cross for my sin. For my sin. Why don't y'all come to the middle for me? I want to pray for everybody. Why don't y'all come to the middle for me? Every head bow, every eye closed. Anybody else? It says, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Amen. Thank you for your boldness, brother. Anybody else? It says, today, I, I've never trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior for real, for real, and I, I want to put my confidence in him. I want to put my confidence in Jesus Christ. Anybody else? We got time. Christ died on the cross for your sins so you wouldn't have to die. Amen, sister. Thank you for your boldness. Amen. 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 Look at these souls. Anybody else wants to put their confidence, their profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? They want to say, I want to believe that I, I want to put my faith in the fact that he died on the cross for my sins. He was a propitiation. He satisfied God's wrath on my behalf so that I wouldn't have to pay for my sin. Anybody, anybody, come on, come on, come on. We got time. We got time. Anyone else? The, one of the greatest things that you can do is make a decision for Jesus Christ and put your faith in him and him alone for salvation. If that's you, come on forward before I pray. I want you guys to know that my prayer for you doesn't save you. Um, but what saves you is your belief in the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world. And for your sins in particular. For your sins in particular. So I want, I'm going to pray. And then our team is going to talk to you about some things in the back once I pray. Father, I thank you for these that have come forward, these men and women who want to make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they come to confess their sin, to repent of them, and to, in the name of the Lord Jesus, to turn to Jesus Christ in faith, in faith, in faith in his finished work on the cross for them. And I pray that that's their belief today, not just guilt about sexual sin. Being guilty about feeling guilty, feeling the conviction of their sin, but bringing it before you as a reason to want to get into a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. Lord God, we believe you for that and we believe you for their souls. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.